Welcome to Behind the Fiction, the book lovers podcast, where we deliver interviews, insights, and ideas to passionate book lovers who want to stay in the stories they love. I'm Alexa Larberg, and this is episode 21 for October 11th, 2019. Today's guests are Michael Anderley and L. Lee Clark, and we are discussing the Moonlight Detective Agency series. It's a mouthful, but you should give it a listen. It's really interesting. We chat with Elle and Michael about the development of their characters, kind of what their characters do and are like, why Elle decided to use a pen name for this series, and why she decided to venture into paranormal authorship. So, before we get started, make sure you're subscribed to both this channel and our podcast. You will get all the insider information and you don't want to miss it. Now, let's get to the show. Isabella Crowley, welcome to Behind the Fiction. Which hey, of you? Hey. Which of you is Isabella Crowley? The, the one that's, that looks female. It's this piece of me. <laughs> All right, so let's it's let's zoom in on Isabella. Uh, there we go. <laughs> AKA L. Lee Clark for um, fans of the Criterion Gambit and longtime LMBPN readers. Isabella Crowley is a pseudonym for L. Lee Clark and Michael Anderley. No, no, no. Just L.E. Just L.E. Clark and the, the stories, the series, maybe. You explain this, Michael, because there's a tagline oh that says created. I like how he says Michael and not L. Right? Created yeah. by Michael Anderley. So what does that okay. mean? So what's going on here is L.E. and I, L.E. and L.E. for short, uh, decided that we wanted to work on a new subject or a new product together, a new storyline. And so we went back and forth, back and forth creating it. But actually, through Ellie's pen name, Isabella Crowley, because of urban fantasy, which I'll let her delve into, we chose to do this as an Isabella Crowley written book and then help created by Michael Anderley because I didn't write the words. Okay, and why a pen name, Ellie Clark? Because you spent a lot of time developing a name for yourself as an author. Yes, yes, that was very deliberate and strategic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for those that can't see that are listening, Ellie's over here doing no with her head by saying yes with her voice. <laughs> yeah, if you're just listening, you need the full experience on video. Um, so, no, 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 cause, so the problem with Elle is that, well, you know. Speak to yourself in the third person. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, that a lot of, well, everything that I've written as L is under sci-fi. Um, and so when I started writing urban fantasy, I kind of needed to separate that out, not least because of the Amazon algorithms and, you know, how they tag everything. And so actually I needed to speak to you about this, Stephen, because it looks like you keep tagging L on the uploads. And so it means that L's also tagged. So it's it, when you look at the L page, like author in Author Central, it means maybe this is too much baseball to be telling people, but like it means that when you look at L stuff, my my cunning plan and the reason that I created multiple identities all hinged on being able to have this L Lee Clark thing as sci-fi and Isabella Crowley as the paranormal urban fantasy magical kind of shit going. Okay, down. and and to really get inside baseball here, what she's talking about is when you upload books to Kindle Direct Publishing or KDP, there's a place for author names and what we have been setting we've been setting these books up as written by Isabella Crowley and co-authored by L. Lee Clark and Michael Anderley, which 
in some instances does good things, like gets it uh, associated with, with Michael. And I thought the same with you, but you don't want that. So we can, that's easily fixed. Yeah, I'm glad we had this conversation. Yes, I'm glad we had this conversation <laughs> in public. Yes, this is the way we roll. It, it would have uh, been just... a Slack message had I thought to mention it. <laughs> well, this is behind the fiction. And this is. is very, right. very behind yeah, the fiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or I was kind of like in the back of my mind, I think it was one of these things that I was storing up for like during one of the parties or something when we get to Vegas so that I could kind of like <laughs> throw it on Steve. Well, you know, who was off kilter or, or whatever. So Yeah, I could, I could totally see that. Your cunning plan. No, so, so when I, I interrupted a Zoom conversation that Michael and Elle were having and when I got here, um, oh, they were talking about marketing and they were throwing around some terms that I'm not going to share that had to do with marketing. <laughs> and here we are, I'm not sure, three minutes into the podcast and we have not mentioned the series yet, which is the Moonlight Detective Agency <laughs> series. The first book of which is Last Ditch Effort, second book, Diamond in a Rough, and there's a third book coming out soon. So Elle, can you give us a little like background on the stories themselves? Who, who are we reading about when we read these stories? Sure. Uh, but like just a, a little point to, to insert in front of that, which, <laughs> which kind of puts this into context a little bit, is that the, the, the stories are kind of an offshoot of the personalities involved. So <laughs> no, it's, it's it's not so much about the individual like stories or characters and, and stuff that we build rather than the, the characters. But let me tell you about the characters. Okay. Um, so I'm going to let Michael talk a little bit about Taylor in a moment because Taylor was mostly Michael's creation and I kind of was drag, dragged along kicking and screaming and going, no, you can't make her that evil. And I don't She's know. She's not evil. I don't, I don't know if he was, you know, modeling her on someone in his life or, you know, from his childhood. I don't know. I'm not going to go there. But Taylor, Taylor is a separate issue. Let me tell you about um, the other guy that's, <laughs> what, what do we call him? David. David Remington, Remington yeah. who, uh, Remy for short. So um, I like this. So you're responsible for the creation of the male character and Michael is responsible for the creation of the female character. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's accurate. I don't know if that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> okay go ahead so so remy is actually built on on someone that's like i know a bunch of us have a crush on him you know the cartoon character archer yes you heard it, right. i do not have a crush on him but go ahead what's wrong with you oh my god <laughs> so he's a douchebag and like for the first few seasons like you can have no empathy with him and you're just like okay why am i watching this geezer kind of like mess around and pretend that he's a spy and he messes everything up right so um so but then gradually like he he endears himself to the characters around him and and to the audience and you actually start noticing like oh my god i've got a crush on this cartoon character like what the <laughs> Um, and like, I am not alone in this. I have had this conversation with multiple females. And so like, that's why I feel comfortable sharing this because otherwise it would have been. Okay. You've never shared this with me. And this has got to go into some of these other conversations we have, because this is too funny. I mean, if you really think about it, you and your friends are living a trope at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you are exhibiting tropist behaviors. Really? That's, that's I think thing, so. I think we've okay. just coined a new a new phrase, tropist behavior. Tropism. <laughs> Tropism. 
tropism. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm a little bit worried because I have no idea what that means. Um, <laughs> um, but no, no. So, so there was there was that influence, and there was also the moonlighting influence. So Michael says, "Oh, did you ever see such and such a thing?" And I'm like, "No, I'm like not that at all." And so anyway, I had to. So for people who don't me. know this, Elle doesn't watch a lot of television, but she apparently does watch cartoons. Yeah, cartoons okay. the best and the good place at the moment. Anything that's like <laughs> not too. Heavy. But she'll binge watch. She'll binge watch stuff on Netflix all the time. So I was actually talking about Moonlighting, the TV show from yeah. what thirty-five years. ago? Which is ago, great. Well, that was a great show. Yes. It was a great show, but she had never seen it. So I said, "Hey, would you consider?" And so what? Tr what? What? Elle will occasionally do. Yeah, she'll get online and watch like snippets of the show versus actually <laughs> no, watching the show. No, I sent you the snippets. Oh, I, okay. Well, okay. So yeah, you you guilty on, on some parts, but for that, I watched whole episodes, <laughs> and there was just some that were just too funny. And so like Michael and I have this um, channel for shenanigans, and it's just like for for silly stuff that's like you know like when you're in the day to day kind of grind of like we've got to get a book out kind of thing. Like you don't want that that stuff clustering up a channel. So we got a separate channel for it. So, you know, I'd be doing my research and I'd be <laughs> yeah, uh, like grabbing the YouTube link. And there's this one piece. So, so just to set it up, it's a detective agency and there's the female who is Sybil Shepherd and the guy who is the guy. Bruce Willis. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> looking like incredibly young and she's like, Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Right. Um, and then there's this bit where he's, uh, she walks into the office and like they'd had some kind of round. I don't even remember what it was about, but he, he's blind drunk and she opens her office door and he's hanging like by his jacket off the back of the office door. <laughs> What's going on? And, um, <laughs> and then like eventually he manages to get himself off and she's just like, you don't get himself off the hook. Thank um, you. <laughs> okay. Um, so he he's off on on the floor like normally, and he's he's still drunk, and he's explaining to her like this brilliant idea that he's had, and it was something to do with like he's offering to sleep with her for her benefit, and he used all of these arguments, and it was just. The whole setup was hilarious, and I'm like, we've got to use this. So, so that kind of went. We haven't used that actual thing, but we've taken the flavor of those characters and their interaction to to kind of use the for Remy and uh, Taylor. Okay, and the the stories themselves. These are there's a paranormal a paranormal component to these, right? Oh, for sure. Yes. So Taylor's a, a, a scary vampire, and. Um, and Remy isn't, but the, the, he's having to navigate. So he's fish out of water, trying to navigate this magical world that, and I, I don't want to say too much because there's actually like a lot of world stuff that you discover like by book three or four. Um, but the, he, he's been oblivious to this as have most of the population. And the, the whole world is hanging in the balance by the time we get to book three. But and how about a little backstory on Remy? Because I found that the, just the open of the first book to be fascinating and, and his like backstory. You read it. Well, I haven't read them both, but I read the first one. Yes. Oh my God. I'm always fascinated. I'm also always fascinated when you dip into the author notes and you comment on the author notes. It's like, what's so Steve does actually read these? Oh my God. I always read the author notes. Really? <laughs> yes. 
I occasionally <laughs> comment, but I always read them. Oh, my I, I especially read the thing where you were talking about getting up at 530 in the morning. So I started sending you, you know, like looking to see if you were online and sending you early morning messages and I never get a reply. It, yeah, because I don't log on to Slack. And also I'm deliberately hidden on Slack because I don't want people going, oh, you're here. Let me just give you a load of work. Uh -huh. So, yeah, that's what's going on. Okay. Um, so anyway, the backstory. Michael should tell us about Taylor. I should. No, the backstory on Remy. Oh, okay. Um, do you want me to do that? Because I'm doing all the talking. I mean, right? do, you want me to, do you want me to start to cue you yeah, up? Because I, I, I know with authors, it's, um, it's sometimes you're on to the, like, the fourth, fifth, sixth book, oh, I and can you can't you. remember yeah. the first book. Right. No, that's kind. So he's sort of a Manhattan socialite, and things aren't going well for him, to put it mildly. No. From a financial standpoint and no. personal standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of the way the, the first book opens. Right. Yeah, yeah he's ahead, down Michael. to his last $100,000, and he doesn't know what he's going to do. <laughs> I, if I could find um, – I was going to look it up real quick, but uh, I, I think the opening of the, the blurb for book one really, you know, last-ditch last effort says that Rami is down to his last 100000 He's in dire straits. You know, and that's kind of it. He's he's part of a very rich family, but he's been boozing and drinking and drugging and and all the other things that he could do in New York. Family's finally had enough. They cut him off, and now he's been selling off his companies in order to live. And he realizes he's only got a hundred thousand dollars left. He's got to do something. And, and this one other company, this yeah. one other company that he doesn't realize has is run by a female vampire. And, the, and and for myself, when Ella was talking about this, I didn't want Taylor to be kind of uh, a hero vampire like I have in the Cartherian Gambit series. She's a hero, but she's not afraid to eat people if necessary. So she still has that. <laughs> if you can't, you can't see Elle now because um, you have to be talking to have your uh, image show up. But Elle is covering her eyes. <laughs> It's kind of brutal, you know, like I, yeah, do yeah, stories, I try and opt for the stories where they're going to be fun and, you know, like have a message maybe, you know, if it's not too highbrow. But like when when you, you're talking about like this female vampire, like about to eat this, this guy and her jaw dislocates and she like just t takes his whole top of his body off and blood splatters everywhere. I'm kind of like, oh, this is so gross. Do we really have to do this? <laughs> And I personally thought it needed to set the tone of who she was. She was going to have um, people obey or die. <laughs> that was your two choices. Yeah, so like Bethany Ann in a lot of ways. <clears throat> no, she might do a few <laughs> other things. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the situation where Remy, who's you know, expected to – he has his own socialite background, his own stuff. And then he meets her, and she's totally willing to off him. Without any mis any concerns whatsoever, her only thought is like, ah, eh, my fingers might get dirty for digging the grave for your body or something. And he thinks it's funny at first until she's not laughing. <laughs> and so it always keeps him out of sorts of what's going on. Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing about setting these two characters up was we also had um, Remy be a recovering addict and like you know how those ten kind of stories tend to go it's like do we really want to go there and um, I think that we've 
kept it out of it being about his addiction so like he has this extra facet of understanding so like when one of the fairies goes off and she gets kind of lost in her addiction of attention and all this kind of thing he he has real insight into what she's going through and how he can be supportive and all this kind of thing um but uh yeah like from from his party boy days he he had all of these um uh dramas and and addictions and he he decided to kind of go cold turkey and pull himself out of it but then he also knows that world of drugs and stuff and that comes in useful as a private detective and it actually kind of falls in as one of the tropes for normal not non-paranormal detective fiction yes i hadn't realized that it totally does Yes. So, El, so why why did you decide to take a walk on the paranormal side after writing all that sci-fi? Because it's fun. Um, I, I think there, I like there, there, well, I, I think there are only there are certain things that you can explore in certain genres, and some things that you kind of have to keep out. So, like for science fiction, I feel that this is exploring. I know we do space opera, which is like the drama within space right but i think also it it gives you the opportunity to explore well what are civilizations like and how can we build a better civilization or what are the downfalls of the civilizations that we already have and then we can compare and contrast them and i think that's the essence of you know the the themes in 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 sci-fi um and so i think for for paranormal okay vampires and werewolves and stuff i mean it's just cool apart from anything um and (laughs) i think if you've been following any of my face and archer right um but yeah it was more i mean like i think the 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 uh paranormal was like the fun stuff and like you get to write your own rules and you know use something magical and because i really believe that there's magic in the world it's just we have to be tuned in in order to see it um, but also there was this whole detective genre thing where it's like you kind of need to and, and like when I first started writing I didn't feel like I was equipped to deal with it because you have to manage multiple clues and clues and multiple facets and how to reveal those things and you've got to have a lot of reveals happening in short succession to keep people engaged otherwise you know you, you're you're just kind of going through the motions and, and people lose interest and um i think I, it took you know 40 odd books for me to go actually i think i could probably manage this you know like by if i'm careful plotting it out and you know doing an extra stage of doing the clues and stuff um so i so for me that was that was the bigger allure all right so this the series again is the moonlight detective agency book one last ditch effort book two diamond in the rough uh the third book is coming out shortly and, and we do know what it's called we do go ahead girl's best friend i think is that right michael <laughs> I believe it is. We we do have a very somewhat diamond motif going here. Yeah. And then book four is uh, still in the works. And we, we've, we would, that was the conversation that you walked in on, Steve, where we were trying to um, decide on the, the name for the fourth one. And do you oh. remember what it was by chance? <laughs> well, we started with Flourish Under Pressure or Reborn. Oh, under that's pressure. right. Reborn. And right, I'm kind really of advocate. And yeah, then we go got ahead. off. Well, I'm advocating from the ashes, but we, we kind of then got off track with like issues. 
marketing. There are always issues. Yeah, marketing. <laughs> yeah, and you will see uh, in the show notes for the podcast, you'll see the cover, and we will stick a, a cover image into the video that you'll be able to see here. The covers for these books are amazing. They are so They are cool. very, very They're cool. Beautiful. And they really set the mood. It's, it's like a great – it's like a great urban fantasy type mystery cover. It's really well done. Really tells the story of what, what you can expect from the books. So pick them up and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks, you guys, for being here. Thanks Thank for you. having us, Steve.